Welcome to Your Brand Amplified, the podcast where we interview marketers, publicists, and brands to learn their stories, what makes them tick, and tips and tricks that make a difference. To find out more, point your browser to www.princubator.com or look us up at Annika Jackson PR. Welcome to this week's episode of Your Brand Amplified. And I am here with an amazing powerhouse, Nakia Fields, Therapeutic Play Foundation founder, Black Mental Health Task Force co-founder, and so many more accolades I could give you. Thank you so much for being here today with us, Nakia. Of course, my pleasure. So um, my first question is, I'd love to hear your story and I'd love for you to share because you have done so many different things and you do so many things. You're such a big advocate. You are a doula. How did you get onto this journey um, to where you are today? You know, just living life. Uh, You know, I have always been the type of personality that I don't really work well in the nine to five, uh, rigid structure. I'm more of like this free spirit moving through how I want to move through. <laughs> I was a bossy kid. I'm the oldest. Um, you know, that kind of personality move forward. If you guys know life numbers, I'm the number one. You're not so. bossy, you're driven. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but I, you know, <laughs> in the right now, so I have this, this lovely, I'll find it, the boss lady little placard. So I, nice. I claim it, you know, um, because when you work really hard to be in control of yourself, then the environment around you, where you work, what you do with your time really impacts you on a daily basis. So that's really how I got to be uh, doing the things that I do. You know, I um, became a mother and uh, after already being a social worker, working Mm. in schools as a school counselor, working for DCFS as an emergency response worker, I've seen families going through their hardest times. Um, And I grew up with a single mom. I was raised mostly by my grandmother um, because my mom was a teen mom. Mm. So I had like this huge community of women around me always. So I think a part of me being the oldest, how I grew up uh, and then how passionate I am about doing what I want to do, like really truly valuing what I wanted to do with my time started when I was very young because I love to read mm. and I would be running around walking during the house through the house reading <laughs> a book, or in middle school walking home while reading a book and people would be like you're a schoolgirl making fun of me and I'm like okay well I think that's what kind of attitude I like well I want to walk around with books yeah <laughs> like so who are you to tell me I can't do it so it really just added so throughout my life I just got different certificates and um, trainings and met new people who like excited me and made me curious about what they were doing. Um, like when I became a yogi, that was as I was recovering from becoming a mom mm. and a single mom at that. And so yoga really helped with what I was going through as a new mom. Uh, and I just started to want to get trained in more things to help other new moms, other mothers, other black women, mm-hmm. other women who experienced some of the things I've experienced in my life. And you can't just make up expertise. You have to train, get educated, get practice and do better. And then you share it with others. So it's been a windy road. (laughs) Yeah. And you are here and you are rocking it every day. I don't know when you sleep or if you do sleep. I think you take cat naps. (laughs) So, So you, I think you've touched a lot on this, but what inspires and motivates you? 
You know, when I was a little kid, I always used to say, my Nana does, my Nana. Mm-hmm. And that's my grandma. She passed away last year. I'm sorry. Uh, in 2020, and which was a hard year for a lot of us. But that was particularly hard because, like I said, I was sort of raised by her. She was my other parent. Yep. Um, my third parent, my dad mm-hmm. still uh, in, in my life and, and everything's good. But that came in adulthood, right? So a lot of things that I've experienced as a young girl, I like always looked to my Nana mm. who was very strong and she was very direct and she communicated in this very funny way. <laughs> and I would say that she was my inspiration of what like a woman looked like and what a powerful person looked like. So I would say she's my number one inspiration. And I think, oh, I carry her with me. This is a, a of her. So I think she continues to inspire me as I move through. Wow. I love that. And a lot of the work you do is, I mean, it's in the near name, Therapeutic Play Foundation. So will you talk through what that means and what that looks like? Yeah. So I'm a registered play therapist supervisor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Essentially, that means that throughout my career, because I was working primarily with children, I started, like I said, in ER, DCFS, um, assessing for abuse, assessing for appropriateness of placement for foster care and adoption. So I was in a a lot of people's homes. I was in a lot of kids' schools and I was just seeing children everywhere. Uh, then I started to work uh, for different school districts and contracting with different non-public schools and really acting more as a consultant and staffing for mm-hmm. mental health services in schools. And I started to see a connection between, you know, how the parents and the mothers and the families were functioning, whether they were low or high functioning and whether or not a children a child could access their educational curriculum, meaning mm. can they learn, mm-hmm. right? And there was a, a clear disconnect. Like I said, as I became a mother myself, I started to put all the pieces together of what I could do and talking to children wasn't going to work. That's why I pursued my play therapy credential. And there's all kinds of hours and there's a certification and stuff to get this. And I really learned through play that play is not limited to children. Play is what adults do, but we forget to call it play And then we don't engage in it. So things like me doing yoga or taking walks or Mm. painting art, you know, this past weekend, I did a golden goddess photo shoot. It was really fun, but that was my form of play, playing dress up because I have to keep giving myself messages that I'm powerful, that I am able because I'm running businesses and I'm Mm -hmm. a mom and I'm doing all this stuff. So if I don't tell myself stuff like that, then I might get pooped and not keep going. So I got to do photo shoots and that's play, right? Kids do the exact same thing. So that's where therapeutic play came from. I already had another business that was like direct counseling, contract staffing. Um, But my nonprofit, I created to kind of like capture the people who were falling between the cracks of those types Mm. of services because luxury services like play therapy and yoga and sound baths Mm. and things like that are luxury. Some people don't even know what that is because they're not exposed or educated about it. So Therapeutic Play Foundation is kind of there for me to bridge the gap and what I found worked for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll work for more people, especially if we show them about it and expose them to it. And part of the work you've taken, so you've gone from really intensive work you know, placing families to still intensive work, working with mothers, new moms, expecting moms, kids, adults, getting them to learn how to play and use that, you yeah. know, in their daily lives. But then Even also, healthy. yeah, and to heal, to heal, lifespan. Uh, yeah, and then to heal trauma, but then also taking that a step further, particularly working with Black families and mental health. 
And that, that's a fairly new initiative that you've started, correct? Yeah, I'm the chair of the Black Mental Health Task Force, which essentially came to be um, because I was a, in the stakeholder group for Department of Mental Health. Um, they have a Black and African heritage underserved cultural communities subcommittee, which is essentially mandated by the state for DMH to take feedback from the community about what to do with funds from the state to address mental health issues. And so every um, ethnic group has its own USCC group um, that community members can go. There's Asian, there's Access for All, which is for disabilities like deaf and blind. Um, there's Native American, there's Latino. So if you're a community member who feels that there is stigma in your community and it does exist more than just in the black community, right? Yeah. Um, you feel that there's stigma, then these USCC groups might be an important place for people to have a voice. So that's what I did. I started to, you know, I had these contracts. I was a business person. I had a little bit of free time during COVID. Um, you know, my business, I had to shut it down physically. So what mm -hmm. am I going to do with this very active brain that I have? <laughs> I'm going to go to stakeholder groups and stay informed about what people are going to do in the community, particularly around mental health. And somehow that got me elected to be the co-chair of that stakeholder group. And um, within that stakeholder group, they have a meeting once a month two hours, I think third Thursday of every month, if anybody wants to go and attend the Black and African Heritage USCC. So while I was there, I was like, hey, what are we actually doing about this COVID-19 mm -hmm. that's greatly impacting the Black community? There was also a lot of racial tension during, you know, early 2020, whole 2020, even now, mm -hmm. like that's just really openly being spoken about and yeah. openly being funded, addressing the issue, it's, it's kind of happening right now. And I was saying in this group, hey, we're always asking DMH, what are you going to do for us? Can we, hey, DMH, can you endorse a group of us going off and going ourselves and creating action steps to make a difference? And they said, hey, yeah, if we pass a motion. So we passed a motion within that group. The Black Mental Health Task Force was formed. Um, it was all these community members, a coalition of consumers, clients. Mm. Um, Black-led organizations, Black-empowering organizations and allies who came together, created a vision statement, a mission statement. And then we were out there like we are the Black Mental Health Task Force and we went after funding as a coalition. We partnered. It's not an organization. It's just a coalition mm -hmm. of people coming together to partner to create programs. And that's how some of the events that we're doing right now actually happened. We partnered with other organizations within the task force and we've been able to get these, these grants and it's been really great. It's so tragic that so many things had to happen to get us to this point. But at the same time, thank God that we are finally at a point that we can talk about mental health in every community, right? And that we can take action steps to propel positive emotions and positive mental health, work through the trauma, you know, just to have those conversations. And you've, I've been to your events, you've created a lot of space, very welcoming space for anybody to be involved in these, in these conversations, which is really beautiful, um, even as allies, right? So what self -awareness is- Self-awareness is first. Yeah. <laughs> so what is next for you and your brands? Oh, goodness, the brands. You know, honestly, I'm just in advocate mode. Uh, you know, I am thinking about business and I'm thinking about future building and community building. It's all a part of what the purpose of the nonprofit is. And I am the president and that's why it was founded. But it is a public charity and it's a it's a it's a public outreach to literally make change 
and have conversations and move the needle forward, the progress needle, a little bit more forward every bit of the moment. Because I feel like, you know, not to say that, you know, I can name all these amazing leaders in the Black community and I'm not going to compare myself to them. But at this point in time, they're not going to come back from the dead and do it for us. You know, they're not. Their time is no longer. It's now our time. So all of us who are aware that there is a problem, who are aware of the health data, are aware of the fact that intergenerational trauma exists, um, complex Mm -hmm. trauma exists from exposure to racism on right in front of your face exposure to social media what's happening with policing and law enforcement mm-hmm. in front of our face still impact still every day all this impacts us at a very very deep level to our blood to our bones and now that there's information and science and data to support that I think it's a part of the professionals and the experts and the people who can speak to it very clearly and eloquently to do our job and help policies change, help Mm -hmm. programs be developed that matter to us, address politicians that are out there who are specifically not advocating for our causes and help them understand what's important um, out there in the community to advocate for. So that's the work I think that um, I'm aiming after. And I think that we will be blessed as we move forward in every effort, just because that's what we need to do. So that's my first part. So when we talk about brands, it's sometimes weird to think about it because I'm not in it for branding, um, although I know that's important. I am in it to get the word out and my name out so that you listen to me when I walk into a room. Yeah, but I mean, that, that, is, that is branding 101, right? It's yeah. you have a very powerful story, your personal story that has led you to the work that you do. And so you have the experience, you have the expertise, you have you know, the advocacy, you have the voice and all of those lead to, I mean, all of those make up who you are as a brand. Um, and the reason why people want to work with you and want to engage in the work that you're doing. You also are working on a documentary. I am, you know, all <laughs> connected, you know, a lot of people are like, how are you doing all these things? Why are you doing all that? Focus on one at a time. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of more like, I see the connection, like there's like these little, you know, things that I see whenever I start a project of how they're connected and how they can support each other. And that might be the business person in me, right? Like, you know, there always has to be multiple streams of income and multiple streams of access is Mm -hmm. kind of the way I think about it. And I think the documentary is another way to empower access to mental health care for our community. For example, As a mental health provider, I can see firsthand that many people don't have insurances that cover a licensed provider Mm. out there in the world, particularly a Black provider. There's not enough of us in private practice. There's not enough of us at all as mental health providers in the first place. Right. So part of this is to expose the world to, first of all, the need for more mental health providers, um, the benefits of mental health treatment, and destigmatizing mental health at all because mental health mental illness is the problem mental health is necessary Mm -hmm. just as much as we need physical health to not be sick (laughs) every day we also need mental health to not be ill in our mind and our thoughts and our spirit and what we do with our routines that's all mindset so if your mindset's not healthy your mental is not healthy you're behind in the game yeah and that's a part of my work with the documentary like hey Do you feel behind in your life? Do you feel like you're not going where you need to go? Do you feel trapped? Do you feel unhappy, unable, unstable? Like all the things, right? That's because your mental wellness is not on par. 
So what are you going to do about it? And that's what this movie is talking about. Like, hey, 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 look, 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 look here. <laughs> mental health is important, Black people. There's nothing wrong with talking about mental health. You ain't crazy. Exactly. You're okay to talk about your mental health and your wellness because that's what we're supposed to do to feel powerful. And the reason why you're not taking care of your mental health is intentional. There's things like mm-hmm. epigenetics and eugenics and the way that we, the, the school to prison pipeline, go look up these things, watch the, the Netflix show uh, 13th. You know, like do do your research, do your education and understand that we as a community are intentionally not educated about taking care of ourselves. And why mm-hmm. is that? And what we need to be the difference. And so the yep. documentary is that effort to be the change. I love it. So what do you do for your mental health? Oh, you're, you're, when you mentioned earlier, I think you don't sleep good. I sleep really good. I can sleep anywhere. <laughs> I can sleep in a car. I can sleep in a train. I, can, I, I one time went to a beach party. I just fell out, slept at somebody, a stranger's. So I sleep and it's not because I'm tired because I sleep. It's just the thing is I've cultivated a lifestyle of rest. Like um, I'm also a restorative yogi. I went and got my teacher training for that. And I often do private sessions with clients who have extreme trauma or anxiety, Mm -hmm. and it's showing up somatically for them in their bodies, not sleeping, nausea, headaches, migraines, you know, like some of that jaw pain, all that is like anxiety and depression showing up in the body. And a lot of people are going to the doctors thinking I'm having a panic attack. I'm dying. Mm -hmm. Um, they get, they're getting all these heart uh, assessments and things like that. And it's, it's truly panic attacks or anxiety that's showing up. So I try to teach people how to regulate. So I learned myself because I'm a anxious, I present anxiously. I speak fast. I move fast. I'm always moving. I'm I'm completely always stimulated. This has been my whole life. So I think it's been a lifetime of practicing how to harness Hmm. a lot of energy within my own body. Uh, And then when I was exposed to running and then yoga, the the partnership between the two really became a way for me to regulate my own body, uh, my own thoughts, my own ambition, all the things that I come with. Um, It's been a lifelong journey to know myself and to manage who I show up as in rooms and who I show up as when I'm stressed out or anxious. And, and sometimes I still do the little things that I don't want to do, mm-hmm. but it's a constant practice through breath work to kind of to reel her in. I call her real her <laughs> in a bit because she, she'd be like, like a, you know, <laughs> but I also call that my superpower. I like to tell people anxiety can be a superpower wow. because you're more observant and you're more able to like react in a way. Um, and also trauma does this to you. You're very mm-hmm. reactive in certain ways, but when you are always there at this high level, that, that inflames the body. And that's kind of why you have mm-hmm. those negative somatic symptoms. So I try to do for myself what I teach to other people, like, there's moments. See, even yeah. I'm doing it now. There's moments I know. Where I get really excited, and I have to bring myself. Like I'm so passionate about everything. Feel it back, Nakia. Take three deep breaths. Yep. Look the room. <laughs> so, you know, so nice. That's my strategy. And then I go on walks too. It's really bad. Take long baths. Oh. Do goddess photo shoots. Yeah, <laughs> it all sounds fun and fabulous, and great ways to restore yourself. How would people find you on uh, your website, social media, if they wanted to connect, learn more? Yeah, I'm accessible. You know, I'm on Instagram as the Philwell Coach. Um, I started the Philwell Coach because 
I had a lot of clients who just kind of wanted to stay with me forever. <laughs> and, and therapy is not for that. Mm. Therapy is for getting you through, helping you learn the strategies that will get you through building your routine and then letting mm. me go. So I started the Feel Well Coach to kind of be a reminder to not only um, my clients, to myself, to take these moments to like praise ourselves and be like, yes, queen, always wear your invisible <laughs> crown. Or just noticing that now's the time to like breathe and rest and take a moment. So the Feel Well Coach was that effort in the beginning. I was talking to myself um, as I started like building my nonprofit more. That's when this actually the Feel Well Coach started when I Mm. first went to my yoga teacher training. I decided to separate a personal Instagram from a sort of a branded Instagram that was around my restorative healing work. And so that's where the Philo coach was born, but you'll see there's a lot of stuff on there for like empowering us to just be our best team beast, go get it. Er. Uh, and then if you want to work with me professionally and not just kind of be inspired and motivated, you could check out therapeutic play foundation or the black mental health task force on Facebook, Instagram. I also think we have a Snapchat and a Twitter you'll find it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm out there. You can email us. Our website is therapeuticplayfoundation.org. Uh, and I'd be happy to talk and ch- check in with you or do business because awesome. I'm all about coalition building. Definitely. Definitely. And what's your favorite quote? If you have one, you know, I said a little bit earlier, the documentary is my way that I'm being the change. Mm-hmm. And I think that I move forward a lot with be the change you want to see in the world by Gandhi. Uh, but I also, like I said a little bit earlier, always wear your invisible crown. And I, t- I think one of my own quotes is, if you are not in charge of you, who is in charge of you? Mm, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. I just got chills. <laughs> oh, who is? Think about it. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I mean, seriously, I got body chills. You need to you need to trademark that. Put it on everything. So, <laughs> is there is there anything else that you'd want to share with our audience today? Yeah, just, you know, check us out, follow us. We have so many beautiful upcoming events that are community driven. Uh, We have some events this August, August 21st, and we have an event in September every single month, all the way until February. We have a community event that includes a drum circle, sound bath, um, breath work, restorative yoga, art and healing stages, Mm. massage, all the things that make you feel good because the point of these events is for us to help you build routine that empowers you. And through empowering you, it empowers us. So it's a constant cycle that we share energy with each other. So I hope that in the end that you want to share energy with me and that you've gotten from this conversation how important energy is, taking care of your energy, cultivating your energy. And if you get confused about it, check out the Philbo Coach and I'll help you out. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Nakia, for being with us today. And I hope that our audience learned a lot. I I know a lot about you, but I always learn new things every time that we have a conversation. And uh, so I really enjoyed it. And I, I mean, I already feel better just, <laughs> just from listening to you talk about all of these wonderful things that you're doing. So I heart you. Oh, I heart you too. Awesome. Well, thank you again to our audience for listening and we'll be back again next week. Want more tips and tricks? Check us out online at www.annikapr.com on social media at Annika Jackson PR or join our three-month PR Incubator Bootcamp for small businesses via www.princubator.com.